0: Okay, so fathers we are tremendously thankful for you guys and tremendously need you as fathers. We need fathers in our day and age. We need fathers who will be fathers to kids who maybe biologically aren't their own. We need men who maybe aren't even married to be fathers to kids who are fatherless. Fatherhood I, honestly, I think of it, and it's, it's very paradoxical in some ways, and this is how I think of it. It's, it's irreplaceable. I don't think there's any way to replace the place of a father in the life of a child, but also, it's paradoxical because it's mortal, and we know that, that fatherhood will end at a certain point in the life of a child, right? Whether that's early, I mean, I was just talking to someone earlier, and they said they even before they're born, their father left. And hopefully that doesn't happen. That happens so much. But hopefully in this church we do everything we can to keep things like that from happening. But one day, all of us will, will lose our fathers. And that, came, that struck me in a really serious way this last year. Um, and this might seem small, but... Uh, I don't know, things, things strike you as, as important at some times, um, and, and it was my dad losing his hearing this last year in one ear, and, and I remember, <laughs> if any of you were at Seaside Church when we were over there, and, and he was preaching, and I remember it was the first week that he had lost hearing in his ear, and, and he found out that that will never be regained, and, and it was kind of like... Caught him off guard, though. It took him a while to adjust to to having hearing gone in one year, and and it was months later till he went to the doctor because that's sometimes what men do. To find out uh, what was really going on with it, and I remember after we found out that the the hearing in that year would would not be regained, uh, I remember ch- talking with my mom about it and. And you know, when 50% of your hearing is gone, that's pretty sobering. Because, you know, if, if you lose the other, your hearing's gone, gone. And, and as, a, as a son, as a child with a, a father who's been present, uh, you learn very young that there's something called old man strength, and that's a reality. Right? That your dad, no matter how strong you get, or powerful you get, he will be able to beat you at what... <laughs> at whatever you're doing. And, um, and it was sobering. You know, have, have my dad lose part of his hearing and think uh, how mortal we are and even how, how precious it is, the time that you have with that irreplaceable person in your life. There's a book that I've been reading called Fathers and Sons. It's an anthology of, of stories uh, by a guy named David Siebold. And he asks men, grown men, to write stories of their, their fathers, or their, their relationship with their fathers. And, and it's amazing as you read these stories how powerful they are, how emotional they are, how as these men try to articulate clearly their relationship with their father, how Absolutely loaded with tension, these stories are. And I think part of this is because, in a lot of ways, we're learning, you know, as men and women, we learn how to be men and women. But I think as fathers and as sons or fathers and daughters, you know, we we learn to be in this relationship, and oftentimes as children. We expect that fathers should just know what fatherhood is or what fatherhood means, right? And, and I think oftentimes fathers are in this place of, of trying to bear this tremendous responsibility that's on them of what does this mean and how do I pass on responsibility and, and really uh, raise and nurture my children. The responsibility that we oftentimes give to fathers is... Um, placed really at tension with one another, we want them to be strong, yet we want them to be caring. We want them to provide, yet we always want them to be present. We want them to be invincible, yet we want them to be tender. We want them to be wise, but we want them to be also understanding of our craziness that's going on in our heads when we come to them. One of the stories that was shared in this book, Fathers and Sons, he writes, The son hopes the father will talk to him. What he really hopes is that the suit of armor that his father is wearing will teeter once or twice and crack and fall over and will lie on the kitchen floor and the birds will finally fly out of it. But a conversation will do. Right? I think oftentimes, as we have these grand expectations for fatherhood and what we hope for, what we long for in it, what we really want is communication. And sometimes it's a simple, I love you. I was really privileged as a child growing up to hear that often. But I know of so many young men and young women or older women and older men who can point to maybe once or twice in their whole life that they heard those incredible words from their father, right? I love you, or I'm proud of you, or I care about you, right? Or I'll be there for you. And so we have to look oftentimes to God as this model of father to say, what does it really mean to be a father? And so to do that, we're going to look at Mark chapter 14. If you'd like to turn there with me. Oh, sorry. Fourteen. Oh, it says eight. We're actually going to fourteen. Thank you. I just saw everyone looking over here like... I thought either someone was making faces at the window or... <laughs> I saw Alex in his seat, so I knew someone couldn't be making faces at the window. Okay, chapter 14, verses 32 through 40. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther... Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. So here we find Jesus in this moment of, um, of incredible pain and expectation and of anxiety. And, and his solace, his peace, what he goes to is to walk away and be by himself and to pray to the Father. This is a beautiful relationship. And I want to I explain to you kind of how this, how this grew, how this became amazing like it is, how this becomes the model for us and the expectation that we, um, that we can have maybe not of... Our relationships here, because they're filled with, with our own pain and our own hindrances, but our expectation that we can have our relationship with God as Father, as Jesus models for us what that can look like. I'm going to read for you just a smattering of verses, and I want you, whatever you do to concentrate best, whether it's like bite your lip or close your eyes or whatever it takes, I really want you to listen and, and uh and hold on to the verses I'm going to share with you, because Jesus was absolutely enthralled and in love with the Father. They say that Jesus spoke about 25,000 words uh, while, he, uh, while he ministered on earth for three years. And they say about one out of every 114 of those was about his Father, right? So he, was, he talked about the Father all the time. He just thought about the Father, when he, when he wanted peace, he went away and spent time with the Father. So I'm going to read you these verses, and, and I want you just to appreciate what Jesus thought about his Heavenly Father. In John 3.35, he says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. In John 5.19-20, through 20, he says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. John fourteen thirty one says, The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. In Luke 3, 22, it says, And the voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. In John 5, 17, it says, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. John 16 says, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And this is just just like handful of verses of of Jesus sharing unhindered, freely, how he just loves, absolutely loves the Father. And the Father, as we get these glimpses of the Father freely and unhindered, showing and sharing his love, his absolute love for the Son. And so what happens now is we have Jesus at this point of Of the time has come for him to bear the sins of the whole world, he goes in agony by himself, about to take this on, and what does he do? He goes away, and he prays to the Father. And he makes four declarations that I want to focus on here, four declarations that will help us, I think, as we understand his relationship, Jesus' relationship with the Father, and maybe get into a glimpse of of how we also can have a relationship like that with God the Father the first declaration that he has here in verse 36, Mark 14, 36, is Abba, Father. And, and there is an amazing amount of just passion and eagerness and desire and excitement in this simple phrase, Abba, Father. Some commentaries have, have wrongfully Thought of this as sort of like a baby, baby babbling. It's hard to say baby babbling, um, baby babbling, and just saying like "daddy, daddy." And so, oftentimes, people will will take on or they'll preach about it being Jesus uh, like a, a baby, just going "daddy, daddy." But that's not what's going on here, and and it's important that's not what's going on here because Jesus's relationship with the Father is incredibly mature. <laughs> and that's what you see throughout his whole life is he comes to know the father and love the father the first time we ever hear Jesus talking is when he's 11 years old and he they find him in the temple and they say why are you here and he goes didn't you know this is the first words we get from Jesus didn't you know I would be about my father's business <laughs> right? and so Jesus even 11 years old had this idea of my Father is in heaven and I am about His work. And so when he comes to this point of saying, Abba, Father, which literally is this, this term of endearment, but also of incredible respect, saying, Father, Father. right? And there's, it's repeated twice, so there's incredible passion in it. But I want you to understand that, that this cry is filled with, with an understanding of the relationship. So, some of you, when you say the word father or dad, I want you to understand that the content of that is different than the content of what Jesus is saying when he says, father, father. Maybe the same words, but very, very different meaning. And so as we, as we look at... At the next three declarations Jesus makes, I want you to grab a hold of what does it mean for Jesus to cry out. He's not wasting his breath, right? He knows the hours at hand when he'll be crucified. And his cry is, Father, Father. And that's filled with understanding. And I want to share with you what that understanding is. In this book, Fathers and Sons, it shares story after story after story of sons who can remember once when their father expressed intimacy to them. One of the stories that is shared about a son who his father is very successful, and, and so the son gets to grow up going to these, you know, lavish summer cottages to spend the summer, but, but he remembers the absence of his father and those places, and And once his father comes back, and his father just comes back because he's called because the boys do something wrong, so he comes back to scold them. And after the father gives him a whooping, it says the father breaks down into tears, and he says, son, I love you, remember that. And yet, this is what he writes, he says, that was the first time and the last time our father embraced us, not wars, my brother's death, or even my father's own imminent end prompted such awesome intimacy. Right? And so, so this writer could point back to a time of intimacy. But Jesus, get this, Jesus, as we kept reading verse after verse after verse, Jesus shared continual intimacy with the Father. Jesus shared continual Im- intimacy with the Father. And so when he wanted to find peace, <laughs> right? when he wanted the world to be cleared up because it was so cloudy, what he did is he went away to seek peace. Out a quiet spot to pray and simply hear from the Father. And this is what he declares. The second declaration is this. Everything is possible for you. <laughs> Father, Father, everything is possible for you. And, and of course, this, I think, calls for us the vision of old man's strength. Right when your dad can do everything, and this is different than that. But I will share you with you an uh, uh, amazing story of old man's strength that I have, and it's, it's probably one of my oldest recollections, my my earliest recollections as a child. We lived in man, uh, we lived in Port orchard, and um, I think everything when you're remembering from early in your childhood, it kind of has that like snow globe look, you know. <laughs> kind of frosty on the edges, but you can still see it clearly. Um, and I remember this time looking through the window, and my dad was trying to impress us. He was chopping wood, and he chopped wood a lot. But, but this, is what, no, this is how he was trying to impress us. He would, like, stack multiple logs up on one another, and he would chop them all at once. And then sometimes he would set multiple logs up, like, in a row and chop them all. Um... So this vis- <laughs> vivid memory of a father champion his, championing his strength, right? And and when when Jesus says of the father, "Everything is possible for you." What do you think Jesus is recalling? We have this incredible gift of of memories stored, right? I struggle to remember important things. And we're actually going to talk about that. Right? I, I struggle remembering important things. And what Jesus was doing, this. everything is possible for you. He was saying, Father, I remember when the world was created. I remember when we, we thought up redemption story. <laughs> right? Everything is possible for you. Right? Before the world began, and Jesus oftentimes used this language, before the world began, uh, right? And, and he knew what it was like to discuss with the Father before the world began. Should we make a world? <laughs> right? And now he's, he's talking to God the Father and saying, I know that everything is possible for you. And so it, when, when Jesus says these words, Father, Father, What he knows and what he's declaring in that statement is the identity of of who God is, his power and his position as unchallenged God. And and that is is amazing. Father, Father. And he knew who his Father was. A verse that we just love at this church and we share often in in Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel chapter 4, it says, God it says he does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? <laughs> and so when Jesus said, Father, Father, he's going, like, I know that you can do whatever you please with the powers of heaven and the people of earth. No one can hold back your hand. You, Father, are the ultimate power in the whole universe. And so what does he do next? He asks him a question. Well, he, he declares, take this cup from me. Right? Would you take this cup from me? What kind of a declaration is this? Jesus knew that soon he would be crucified, and the cup he's referring to is the cup of his own blood, which would wash away the sins of all people. He would come to him and put their faith in him, But why is Jesus saying this? Is he getting scared at the last minute? Is he chickening out? I believe what's going on here is an amazing view into the humanity of Jesus and what he allowed himself to participate in in becoming human and feeling the vulnerability that went into literally being a son, right, literally being a son and being in interaction with his father. So when he says, take this cup from me, this moment of going, can this cup be taken from me, he knows that he is speaking to a father who has the power to do whatever he wants, but get this, he knows he's talking to a father who he can share anything with. We just went through an eight-week sermon series called The Beginning of Finding, and what we wanted to, to remind you guys over and over again is wherever, you're, wherever you are, wherever, whatever your questions are, you can bring those questions to God and ask them to him. And here when we find Jesus saying, take this cup, can this cup be taken from me? What is so beautiful about this is Jesus knew he could bring whatever he had to God, and God wasn't going to backhand him, or smite him, or whatever whatever we oftentimes read into our uncertainty of our relationships with our Father that God was a Father who would listen to Him. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) And God wasn't like, this is the plan! (laughs) You know we've been talking about this! No, Jesus knew when He was in agony and when He was... When he was going, the time has come, and I, I am fearful. A time is coming where I'm going to experience agony and pain that no one ever has before. And this is, in the, this is getting worked out in the Bible, and we're reading it, and Jesus is saying, can this cup be taken from me? In, in John 12, literally, it's spoken as a question. Can this cup be taken from me? And, and what we are allowed, what Jesus is allowed in his humanity is Jesus is the model for all humans to understand what it can be like to actually be in relationship with God. We see Jesus working through this, and it gives us tremendous hope that we don't have to hide our fears and anxieties from God. Isn't that powerful? <laughs> Jesus, before the greatest moment ever in the history of the world... <laughs> Is, is walking through this with the Father. Why? Because the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And this allows for a vulnerability here that is rarely ever allowed in our natural relationships. So... Jesus comes knowing that God, the Father, cares for him and will hear him, whatever he wants to express. And he expresses his deepest fears. The last declaration I think we can learn a lot from, and it's simply this, yet yeah, well, not what I will, but what you will. And I think this is the decision for Jesus that, that really changes everything. So it's the decision of Jesus that changes us from being someone who is a person who stops at that point of your challenge, your fear, your anxiety. Jesus challenge, his fear, his anxiety of that moment. And it moves him into the place of being able to Walk towards the cross. Being a human as he was, right? Being fully human, being fully God, he placed himself in absolute obedience to the Father in saying, Not what I will, but what you will. Oftentimes, what we search for, I think, both as children. Um, but also his fathers, is direction. I don't know if at every point in our life we've had the direction that we maybe wish we'd have. In the book, Fathers and Sons, there's a paragraph that says this. It's a man who lost his father very early on. And he says, Even in my 20s and for 25 years after that, I hungered for the authority and wisdom The yardstick against which to measure myself, the figure against whom to rebel, the man to laugh with or to hate, the model of a million things a father can be. The search for a father is a search for authority outside yourself. You feel incomplete without him in whatever form. The longing for a father is something monstrous. And so I think what we find here, this longing for the Father, which is monstrous, is this longing for for authority. The longing for someone who, when we ask them a question, can give direction to our lives. When something is unclear, they will make it clear for us. And and I think every time I've talked, we we have um, so many kids that come in here week after week, and they are in this spot of who can I ask a question to and and who will point me in the right direction? Having no father maybe growing up or a father who was a a horrible excuse for a father because he abandoned them or abused them or whatever that looked like. And, And what we long for still in that basic monstrous desire for a father's direction is this, can someone give me clarity in how to become a man? Or how to be, if you're a young girl, right, how, to, how to grow up and be a woman, right? Who will give me direction? And what Jesus saw in this last statement, not what I will, but what you will, is Jesus saying, my emotions can easily take over, right? Take this cut from me. But where everything's clear, unclear, and foggy, God, I trust you and the direction you're going to give me. And he walked in the direction that the Father gave him to walk in. He trusted the Father absolutely. So, how do we gain from this and how do we learn from this? from Jesus' beautiful relationship with the Father, who, if we, if we hear, I think any of us would be like, I would love to get the direction like that. I would love to, to be able to have an authority where I just can obey, right? When I obey and walk in that right path, the best things will come. Only two other times is the word Abba used, or that, those two words together, Abba, Father. One is in Romans, and one is in Galatians. And they say very similar things, so we're just going to turn to Galatians You can turn there if you'd like with me, uh, or just listen as it's read. In Galatians 4, it says, What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. This is beautiful. It says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as children. Because you are children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are children. And since you are children, God has made you also an heir. So what we find here, and what is so beautiful, and what I, I want to, to leave you guys with, and um, and the, the challenge, I think, of preaching today is that I know, growing up, I was so privileged to have a father who gave clear direction and a lot of love, Um, but how do we speak into a world where, literally, statistically, right, over 50% of kids, right, have separate parents, and a great majority of those have very absent fathers? What hope is there? What can we speak to them about that? Maybe when they hear Jesus cry out, Father, Father, and their understanding of Father is, is burdened, is wrecked, by the idea or the images they've had of what a father is. Um, and what we have to offer is this. Everything you heard about Jesus' absolute love for the Father and the Father's absolute love for the Son is ours. And it is ours in what Jesus himself did by following the will and direction of the Father and bearing our sins on the cross. And, and, and it is all wrapped up in this, you know, John three sixteen 16, where it says, because... God the Father so loved the world that he sent his son. Right? And this declaration of love that is fully and freely for you guys. And I say that it is available for you because oftentimes we just completely neglect it. And I, and I was really like, troubled by this yesterday, how, how much is available to me, to all of us, in Christ, and we just neglect it. Right? And so if there's one thing I, I want you guys to come away with today is like that the love that you see and is so precious between the Son and the Father is yours. It is available for you. And I encourage you guys to spend time with that and to, to listen, to learn what it's like for the Spirit to crowd from within you, Abba, Father, What is the understanding that the Spirit's giving you as he cries out to Abba Father, and the Father responds? I thought about this yesterday as as I realized how much easier it is to, uh, I mean, like so many of us of my generation, but I think increasingly all generations, to spend time on the computer or on your phone or wherever that might be, right? Paul and I were having lunch the other day um, after church, and and I was just so broken hearted, right? We were having lunch, and this couple, this young couple, was over just texting the whole time, right? Not even talking to one another. I assume they weren't texting one another. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right? How, How much is available to us? But guys, we just absolutely neglect. Absolutely neglect. Because what the Scripture says... And that the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, is the spirit that's offered to us in the Son, that that God is longing to put his spirit in us to communicate to him, and we can have this free exchange of love where we listen to him, is this. The, the, The cry, Abba, Father, is available to you, that cry of intimacy and commitment. But the faith that's described by Jesus is the faith that receives it, right? And that is the faith of saying, Father, everything is possible for you. So who is the Father you're crying out to? And and God wants to reveal Himself to you in such an amazing, such a complete way that you realize who He is. That everything is possible for Him. And He allows... That while you are amazed by that power and you see it and you're like blown away by all that that encompasses, he allows you to come and bring to him your fears and anxieties. Take this cup from me, right? He, he he's inviting you not to try to figure out apart from him, so you can come in and be better in that relationship. He's inviting you by His Spirit, to come in and to cry out to Him from wherever you are. And for some of you right now, that needs to be a cry of, take this cup from me, I can't handle this. <laughs> but the cry of faith ultimately is this, but not what I will, but your will be done. As we come from our limited perspective and our, our foggy vision, and we say, Father, speak your authority and your power into my life and give me direction. Give me direction how to be a father. Give me direction how to be a a mom or a son or a daughter or whatever whatever position you're in. Guys, I just, I ask you because I ask the same thing of myself is that we would learn to be people that are so vulnerable with the Spirit of God that we cry out Father, Father, and we listen for his authority to speak into our lives and send us where he wants us to be sent. That we, He sends us where he wants us to be sent. Because that, that will absolutely transform you, that will transform your family, that will transform this church. And just to be vulnerable with you guys, I, mean, I think this is... Even as, as someone who pastors and, and encourages you guys, probably the hardest thing to do as a pastor is the same thing that is so hard for you, which is just to be still and, and learn what that cry feels like from your mind, from your heart, to say, Father, Father, And when we do that, we will learn what it means like to really be in a loving relationship with him. And guys, that is so available to you by his spirit that he gives. So let's just crowd together. We have some songs. Um, I'll pray for you guys. But Father, God, I thank you that you have gathered all of us here today. And though our, our time is short together, and, and God, we get to sing, and we get to, to hear your word preached, God, what we long for and what we search for while, while we are here is to know you. And God, you can, you can show us yourself through one verse. You can throw, show yourself to us in one sentence. Maybe just being present with other people who are also saying, man, we want to know God. We want to know his power. God, so we just ask you to speak with your authority into our lives. God, to send us both as individuals and as a church to give us, God, your clear direction and that we wholeheartedly follow you that is so special and so precious god we we just thank you for the fathers here in this room we pray that you will strengthen them and equip them for the amazing calling you put on their lives to be fathers god we love you and i pray these things in jesus name amen